0: to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll take a minute to get to the passage because I want to give an introduction. And I want to talk this morning about reconciliation and the Lord's Supper. And from time to time, I'm going to preach a message that is primarily focused on the members of Elmira Baptist Church. I'm going to do that today, so if you're not a member here, some of this may be a little bit... Uh, foreign to you may seem like new concepts. Sort of think of it this way, though. Uh, We had an opportunity, my family and I, to go to San Francisco on Friday just to spend some time together as a family, and we tried to visit the nice parts of town. So we were driving uh, through one section of town, and my uh, family, I was driving, so I was focused on the road, but my family was remarking that somebody with their nice home right there on the street had left their curtains open just so that we could see how opulent it was inside. I don't know. I, we didn't get a chance to talk to them, but I can see that. And sometimes it's good for, for me, for us to have a message that's focused on the members so that those of you who are not members can sort of see what we do and how we view Elmira Baptist Church. And again, when we talk about the church, who is the church? Yeah. We are the church. It's not this building. It's not an organization based somewhere in Austin, Texas, or wherever. It, it's... Us right here. Um, so today I'm fi- primarily focused on reconciliation among uh, church members, but it applies to all of us because we have a God who literally calls himself the God of reconciliation. So he's definitely for rec- reconciliation. We're also going to do something that we do only uh, about twice a year, and that is observe the Lord's Supper on a Sunday afternoon. We typically do it in the evenings. And if you are visiting today and you're not comfortable participating with us in the Lord's Supper, there'll be an opportunity after after um, the invitation and a brief prayer for you to exit. And I I understand. I don't want you to feel like you must stay, but I encourage you if you're uh, uh, if you're a Christian, and I certainly strongly encourage you as a member of Elmira Baptist Church to stay and to join us. Sometimes. Things like the Lord's Supper can be a ritual can become a ritual without meaning to us, and I never want this time when we remember our Savior's death, burial, and resurrection and his promised return, I never want that to just become something we do, and we don't think about it. Um, I have felt maybe more, uh, more often recently, I have felt that uh, Elmira Baptist Church is is in a war. I don't know if you've sensed that recently. There seems to be unusual things that have happened uh, to us and among us that just feel like we're under unusual attack. Now, that never bothers me, and here's why it doesn't bother me, because if you're ever doing anything for God, then the adversary is going to attack you. The adversary doesn't attack people who are doing nothing. And if we didn't want to be attacked, we could just sit back and say, you know, Lord, you take care of it. No, no, God's called us to a work here in Elmira, in Vacaville, in the towns, Dixon, and Fairfield that surround us. So the the fact that we are under attack does not bother me. Uh, But I think it's important when we are sensing uh, extra pressure, outside pressure, it's important that when we're sensing that outside pressure that we realize that. Everyone here that's a member of Elmira Baptist Church is on the same team. I am not your enemy and you're not my enemy. We're all on the same team because what our adversary loves to do is he loves to drive wedges between members of the same church so that we can't function because we're too busy upset at somebody or we're too busy worried that they're upset at us or what they said about us or what we're about to say about them. Listen, we are in a war and we are all on the same team as members of Elmira Baptist Church. And I would include, in a a broader sense, the other Christians of of our area. But I can't define who all the other Christians are in the area. I can define who the members are of Elmira Baptist Church. And there's a story from my childhood that's always stuck with me. Don't remember the context, Ian, of hearing it, but it relates to some soldiers who were in a foxhole together and they were fighting. And they were running low on ammunition, so they decided one of them was going to run back to where they could get some more supplies. Now, he'd have to run over exposed ground, so it was a dangerous mission. But he's going to run back to where there were some supplies, get more ammunition, and bring it up to the foxhole. So he got out of the foxhole. Somehow he made it across that open land, being shot, shot at by the enemy. And he arrived at the supply station where there was more ammunition and, and some modicum, some, a bit of cover. So while he's back there, somebody walks up and offers him a hot coffee. He's not had hot coffee in days. He thinks that will be great. He takes the hot coffee. Someone else comes up and offers him a hot meal. And he takes the hot meal because he hasn't eaten a hot meal in days. And and other soldiers are there and they begin having a conversation about all the the difficulties that are going on, all the enemies that are shooting at them, how long it's been since they've been home, and all these other things that they want to talk about. And finally, when his, his stomach is full and he's had the... Fill, his fill the conversation, he grabs his, his uh, ammunition, the extra ammunition for him and his buddies, somehow makes it again across open land, gets back in the foxhole, only to find that his fellow soldiers are now dead because he's taken so long talking back at the supply base with his fellow soldiers. And it's a reminder to me that the enemy loves for us to focus on non-essentials, on things that are not really important in the moment. I mean, they seem important to me. I know they seem important to you too, but they're not important in the moment because there are more essential things to get done. And our our enemy loves to distract us. One of the ways he loves to distract us is by stirring up trouble among the members of a church. And uh, the first time this really came home to me was when I was on the mission field and we had some missionaries that, in fact, more than once we had missionaries who were not talking to each other. And uh, it caused such division as, as you were almost, they expected you, these two separate camps of missionaries expected you to take sides. And if you talked to these people over here, then this group wasn't going to talk to you. And if you chose to talk to this group over here, this group wasn't going to talk to you. And I told them, I don't have time to play these games. If you don't want to talk to me, you don't want to talk to me. I, I've got work to do. But it was sad. And I remember hearing a a, a mission guy focuses talks about these things he said one of the number one reasons that missionaries leave the mission field is other missionaries i was shocked i mean aren't the other missionaries supposed to be the mature christians we're on a mission we've got a purpose but even there are adversary attacks and so our adversary's tactic one of them is to pit us one against the other we forget that our missionary is outside and believe, begin to believe that it's our fellow Christian, our fellow church member, who's the real enemy. Maybe we become envious of a fellow Christian because of their success in soul winning, or their success in business, or their success in family, or whatever. We, we become envious, and that's one of the ways that Satan drives wedges between us. We become offended that's something that was said to us or something that was done to us by a fellow church member. And again, that's our adversary driving wedges. Now, I'm not saying you should never be offended. We're going to talk today about what to do when you're offended. But rather than deal with that offense, we just let it fester. We just, it's, it's like taking a wound and, and just sewing it up without treating the wound for infection. You're just going to make the problem worse. We become disappointed when we ask for help and we don't receive the help that we anticipated. And let me say this, and hear me, I love you, and I want to help you, but so often you will be disappointed that I don't provide the help that you think I should provide, because I'm a human being, and I'm flawed, and I'm limited. And sometimes at the exact moment you need help, There's someone else that needs help, and I do triage, and I say, this person needs help more than this person, and I focus here, and people will get offended, but pastor, when I called you and I needed help, don't let Satan use that. We get hurt because no one calls us, or no one visits us, and we're ill, or we're depressed, and every time that we allow that to fester, rather than seeking reconciliation, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute, rather than seeking reconciliation, we let our Bitterness, we let our hurt, and we let our offense fester, we are giving the enemy an easy victory. And I don't want that for Elmira Baptist Church. Again, I'm not surprised that the enemy is attacking because, again, I think it's a sign that we're headed in the right direction. It's a sign that we are effective as a church. That Satan would choose to attack us, that our own flesh rises up against us. I don't know about you, but I carry my old man with me every day. And the old man really hates it when God gets the victory. So he's constantly trying to mess with my mind. There's a lot of things that are outside of our control, but here's one thing that we can control, and that is our fellowship and our relationship with each other. That's something that's within our choice, uh, our ability to control. And God knew that we would occasionally need a reset. That's one of the reasons that he instituted this Lord's Supper, so that we would take time to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 tells us that. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. God wants us to examine ourselves. And one of the things that he wants us to examine occasionally, from time to time, is our relationship one with each other. To make sure that there's no offense that I'm harboring in my heart where someone has offended me, nor is there a situation where I've offended someone else and not tried to take care of it. Now turn with me, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter 5, and let's look at our text. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Matthew five twenty three says this, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Father, thank you for this morning, the opportunity we have to search your word. And this issue of reconciliation is often a painful one. It's like an old wound that every time it's touched, flares again with pain. And so we think, well, just won't touch it. We'll just leave it alone. But underneath that wound, there's infection that needs to be drawn out and healed and cured. And we're, we're, we know that you're the great physician. We know that you can heal every wound and soothe every pain and, and defeat every infection in this, the body of Jesus Christ. We know that there is a balm in Gilead. And we're grateful, Father, that you're the comforter, that you're the paraclete, the one who walks alongside of us, that, that helps us. And we certainly need that today. And I want to pray specifically, Father, I want to lift up to you any brothers or sisters sitting here this morning who are harboring an offense or who have offended someone and they know it and they won't make it right. I'm asking that you would bring reconciliation through your grace, through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that cleanses every sin, That you would help us to walk in the light as you were in the light and then have fellowship one with another. We need that searching. We need that cleansing. We need that help today. And so we pray for this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Reconciliation. As I mentioned, God is a God of reconciliation. And he cares a lot about having his people reconciled one to another. Now, this word reconciliation simply, uh, well, number one, it requires that there was a relationship, that there is a relationship. You can't be reconciled as someone you don't know. You can be introduced to them, but you can't be reconciled to them. So there's a relationship, but reconciliation means that somewhere along the line, there has been a rupture in that relationship and now, what you need is a repair to that ruptured relationship. That's what reconciliation is. Reconciliation is a repair to a ruptured relationship. Something's happened. Now, for us, when we were sinners, we were separated from God. He had created us, He had created us to fellowship with Him, to worship Him, to praise Him, and yet sin came between us and caused a rupture in that relationship. And because God created us and because God loved us so much, this is the extent to which he loved us, that he gave his only begotten son who came and took upon him the form of a man who went through life experiencing humanness even though he was God. He was human. I don't mean by that he experienced humanness without being human. I mean, he was human. So he experienced the same things we did. He is acquainted with our infirmities. He's acquainted with temptation without sin. And he died in our place horrible death that's why we have the 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 bread broken for us and the the cup of juice representing his blood shed for us he did that so that we could be reconciled to god that's what reconciliation is so now i by jesus blood and his righteousness i'm reconciled to god that was one of the things we sang about today scotty thank you for picking that song we are reconciled to god but additionally, God wants us to be reconciled to each other. That's what this passage says. If I come to and this is a, a picture of the temple, and I've brought an offering to the temple, I come to the temple and I'm about to give an offering. And what could be more important than giving your offering to God during the temple period? This is different time, different dispensation. What could be more important than that offering? Jesus says, I'll tell you what's more important than that offering. It's being reconciled to your brother. So the first thing I want you to notice about reconciliation here is that reconciliation takes precedence. Reconciliation comes before worship. Now, I do not say that reconciliation is more important than worship. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in time it comes before worship. And here's why. We cannot worship with pure hearts and remain unreconciled to a brother. We cannot worship with pure hearts and harbor bitterness in our hearts toward a Christian brother or sister. We can't come and and go through this ritual, and it just becomes a ritual when our hearts are not right with God, and go through this ritual until we've become reconciled to our brother. Human beings, and I count myself here, we have a remarkable and regrettable ability for self-justification for rationalizing our sin and you may be sitting there this morning thinking you know pastor just i don't want to think about that person i've been offended by i don't want to think of the offense that i've caused that person and never made right i just want to get to the lord's supper so that i can get that over with and maybe that'll make it right it won't the only thing that will make it right is you being reconciled to your brother that's what this passage says. If you bring your gift to the altar and you find your brother has something against you, first go make that right and then offer your gift. Because reconciliation is prerequisite to worship. One of the hard things about reconciliation, reconciliation takes a commitment to that fellowship with our brother and our sister in Christ. And Our commitment is not to our brother or sister in Christ, by the way. Our commitment is to God. But because he's called me to be a part of this body, Elmira Baptist Church, he's also called me to be reconciled to each one of you as much as lies within me. So reconciliation asks me to cooperate with God and to utilize his grace to foster and cultivate sincere fellowship with fellow human beings Fellow human beings that, just like myself, are flawed and disappoint me. And before we come to the Lord's Supper today, I'm asking you to renew your commitment first to God, and because you're committed to God, to be committed to His body, Jesus' body, the church, and because you're committed to Jesus' body, the church, to seek where it's needed reconciliation with a fellow Christian. Why do I say that reconciliation takes precedence even over the Lord's Supper? Well, again, we're reminded that before we take of the bread and eat it, before we take of the juice and drink it, we are to examine ourselves. And we're examining ourselves for sin. Anything that's between us and God. And again, secondly, not only are we examining ourselves, but the Lord's Supper highlights our union with each other in Jesus Christ. Hold your place in Matthew chapter 5 and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15, 16, and 17. I'm going to read them to you. But I'd like you to look at the words as I read them to you because I want you to understand that when we come and participate together in the Lord's Supper, it's highlighting our union with each other in Jesus Christ. And how can we participate in, our, in, in portraying in symbolizing that union that we have with each other in Jesus Christ if there's some offense between me and you or some offense between you and another member of the church? So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15, 16, and 17, he says this, I speak as to wise men, judge you what I say, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So he's making a reference here to this time where we take of the Lord's body, excuse me, we take of the bread representing the Lord's body broken for us, and we take of the juice representing his blood shed for us, And then verse 17 says, for we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread. We're one body in Jesus Christ. And when we come to this time of the Lord's Supper, taking the bread, representing his body, taking the juice, representing his blood shed for us, we are representing that we are one body. And so it's important that we start by being reconciled to each other. So what is, how, how, how do we do this? What is this method of reconciliation? Well, first of all, let me remind you that God has already reconciled us to himself. That's what salvation is. Before I was a Christian, I was separated from God by this great gulf that was my sin. I'd broken God's law. And he's perfectly holy, so he cannot excuse my sin. But Jesus Christ becomes that bridge across that gulf. He died in my place, shed his blood, paving the way so that I could now be reconciled to God. Here's how 2 Corinthians 5.18 says it. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. He's reconciled us to himself through by Jesus Christ. Because he loves us. Now what it says, that verse finishes by by saying, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He asks us now to be ministers of reconciliation, to actively work to reconcile people to God, and second application, to actively work to reconcile people to each other. But how can I work to reconcile people in my church to each other if I'm harboring bitterness and anger and hurt against one of the members? The first thing I need to do is make sure that I'm reconciled to each member of the church before I can help reconcile others. Reconciliation requires humility. I think that's why it's so difficult for us who are naturally proud because we always imagine that it's the other person that's the biggest problem. Thank you, John. He's tracking. We always think it's the other person. You know, they're the problem. And they won't humble themselves, so I'll wait until they humble themselves. that That's not what God calls me to do. God calls me to seek reconciliation, humbling myself first. So before I even... And I'm just explaining to you how, how we go about reconciliation. Before I even approach my brother or sister in Christ to be reconciled, I ask God for his help. For his help, number one, to humble myself and to be willing to listen to my brother or sister and what they have to say to me. I ask God, I ask God to give me wisdom and a kind spirit to express clearly what's on my heart. I ask God to give me a proper understanding of what really happened because how many times have I approached a brother or sister in Christ with a problem and once I hear them and I listen to what they have to say, I find out I misunderstood and I have to be willing to say, you're right, I've misunderstood, forgive me. And I ask God for a sincere love for the offender or for the offended party because in many cases, there's someone who's offended and there's someone who's the offender. Sometimes they're the, you know, they're, they both have some uh, 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 offense and they're both the offended, but sometimes it's just one person. And here's what I want you to realize. I can offend you without ever knowing. Let me say that again. I can offend you without me knowing that I've offended you. Now, I wish, I wish... I wish that there was a little red flag like on a mailbox over your head, right? And whenever you are offended, red flag, bing. And if that were true, I'd stop and I'd say, okay, I, I've just said or done something that offended you. Would you help me? But the truth is, I don't know. Just recently, I, I don't know, but it seems to me <laughs> somebody is offended and they, and they don't want to talk to me about it. Well, that makes it very hard for me to deal with because if you won't tell me what the offense is, I don't know. And I don't want you to go tell my wife what your offense is, so she'll tell me, okay? You just come tell me. Don't go tell one of the deacons and have the deacon come talk. You, you please, just come talk to me. Now, I know here on a, uh, on a Sunday, I'm busy. And sometimes people will say things, like, you know, Pastor, I really want to talk to you, but you're so busy. I, I admit that, okay? This is what I need you to do. I need you to say, hey, I need to sit down and talk with you. When is a good time? I will literally give you hours of my time if I know you need it. Just this last week on two separate occasions, I sat down intentionally, just sat down to hear someone and I thought it was going to take 15 or 20 minutes and we ended up being there two hours and that's great. I'm happy. I just need to know that you need to talk. So if I have offended you, if I have offended, if I, if I knew I had offended you, I would have already approached you. If I've offended you and I've not approached you, that means I don't know. And I need you to come to me and say, Pastor, this is that you said or this that you did offended me, hurt me. I need you to do that with each other. If there's a fellow member here that has offended you, I need you to pray and ask God to humble you, to ask God for wisdom and a kind spirit and the proper words for that spirit of understanding. And then I need you to go to that fellow brother, that fellow sister and say, here, you've offended me. If you know you've offended someone, sometimes I do know I've offended someone and I'm just going to be obstinate and stubborn and I'm just going to refuse. Listen, today is the day to say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I know I've offended this person. Give me the humility to go and ask them to forgive me. If we've offended someone and we know it, then God expects us to go to them to seek reconciliation. And here's one of the glorious things about being a member of Elmira Baptist Church and being a member of the body of Christ, whether it's Elmira Baptist Church or another church, one of the glorious things about being a member of the body of Christ is once that you and I have been reconciled, we don't have to keep bringing it up. I don't have a logbook of all the times that you've offended me or all the times that I've offended you. I don't keep a log. I don't, I don't hold in the back of my mind, yep, yeah, three years ago, so-and-so said this or so-and-so did this. And you know what? Next time we get in a fight, I'm going to let them have it. No, no, I don't do that to you because that's not what God calls me to do. I've, I've mentioned before, true story, uh, being at a church, I, I was not a member uh, of that church. Let me restate that. I wasn't there at that church often because I was in Mongolia and, and I just happened to be passing through. And I had one of the members say, would you go talk to this other member for me? And I thought, well, that's really odd. Why don't they just talk to that member? Found out that those two had not been talking literally for years, Because there was an offense. And I've learned in hindsight what I should have said. No, no, you go talk to that member. I'll go with you. Even within a church, there can be an offense that's undealt with, that's festering, that's a closed wound, but the infection is still there. And it's just going to get worse until with God's help as the great physician, he comes and he opens, reopens the wound so he can clean it out. Yeah, it hurts. And provide some antibiotic and bring true healing to it. We don't so want to sew that up. So let me encourage you this morning. Here in a minute we're going to talk about the requirements to participate in the Lord's Supper. That as you examine yourself, you ask if there's any offense between you and another member of Elmira Baptist Church, including me, including a a, a spouse, a child, a parent, just someone sitting here today, and that if the Lord brings that to your mind, I want you to commit to resolving that before the next time we have the Lord's Supper. I don't know that I need you to, to interrupt the service. I certainly don't need you to interrupt the service. I don't know that I need you to not participate today, but I need you to make a commitment to God to seek reconciliation before the next time we come together to this. Now I want you uh, just to think here about the requirements to participate in the Lord's Supper because it would be my fault if you are brand new today, you've never been with us before, you've been with us a few times, but you've never had an opportunity to join us in, in observing the Lord's Supper and you didn't know what it was all about. So let me explain briefly that the Lord's Supper is a reminder to us that our Savior, Jesus Christ, died in our place. He was buried. He rose again. And he has promised to return. That's what it is. The, the, the element that is the bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. And the element that is the juice represents his blood that was shed for us. We saw that in the, in the Bible reading, the scripture reading where we read together. Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. Which is broken for you. And then this is my blood, he says about the cup, which is shed for you. So, the first requirement, the first thing that's necessary if you're going to participate in the Lord's Supper is salvation. It's faith in Jesus Christ, it's to know that you are a child of God. Participation, observing the Lord's Supper with us, is an affirmation of your personal faith in Jesus Christ. It's not an affirmation that your parents were Christians, or that you have a friend that's a Christian, or that you've thought a lot about becoming a Christian. It's me saying, I personally know that Jesus Christ died in my place. He took my penalty when he died on the cross. He rose again to justify me. That's the first requirement. And the second requirement of the Lord's Supper is is baptism. And here's why. There's several reasons, but let me use the shortest reason here, and that is we all that are baptized, were baptized in obedience to Jesus' command to be baptized. God expects us after that time of faith in Jesus Christ to be baptized. And so if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, but I'm not yet baptized, I'm still disobedient in that area. And I would not encourage any of you who are disobedient to God to participate with us in the Lord's Supper. So salvation is required, baptism, and then I mentioned it already, but let me mention again that God expects us to examine ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 27 says, wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So we come to God, and that's one of the reasons why why, as the elements are passed to you, we'll have our piano player playing some music. Sometimes it's the organ player playing some music so that we can focus not on what's in front of us, but focus on examining our own hearts. And if I'm faithful to say, God, search me, God's faithful to bring to my attention any sins that I need to confess. And when God brings that sin to my mind, I don't need to go do penance for it. I don't need to go make it up. What I need to do is confess to God, you're right, I'm wrong. That's a sin. You're right, God, I've I've sinned against you. And find his free forgiveness so that I can participate in this. God doesn't ask me to be perfect to participate. God asks me to examine myself. So let me encourage you during that time while we're passing the elements to examine yourself for any unconfessed sin. And consider particularly today, if you would, if you remain unreconciled to any member, fellow member of Elmira Baptist Church. Now, again, I don't know if I would, if I knew that there were two members unreconciled to each other, I would have already approached you and asked you to be reconciled. I don't know. I just, I just know that God laid on my heart to preach this message. So examine your own heart. Is there any member of Elmira Baptist Church that I'm unreconciled to? And again, if God brings that to your attention, confess that to him, Receive his forgiveness and make the commitment between now and the next time we observe the Lord's Supper, which is in the month of uh, of September, that you are going to be reconciled to that brother or sister. Matthew 18 tells us that we start by going personally, one person to that brother or sister, explaining the issue and seeking reconciliation. If they won't hear you the first time, take a brother or two with you, a sister or two with you, two or three people go and deal with it. And then if they won't hear that, then you bring it to the church. But God is very serious about this, uh, about reconciliation. God is a reconciler. He's a God who reconciles people to himself, and he's a God who reconciles people to each other. So let me encourage you to think about that uh, particular aspect as we pass the element. Think about reconciliation to to a fellow member of Elmira Baptist Church. This is a very serious observance, the Lord's Supper, and in a minute we're going to have an invitation, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song, and at that time if you're not comfortable staying, let me encourage you, you're welcome to, to, to go out. We'll have a, a prayer to close this part of our worship and open up the next part, and at that point if you're not comfortable, you are welcome to go out. I don't want any of you to feel like you must stay and observe the Lord's Supper with us. So here's the invitation this afternoon. The first question I have is, are you reconciled to God? Do you know your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life? Because you have his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and this is the record that God has given unto us. He that has the son has life. Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Second question, do you need to be reconciled to a fellow member of Elmira Baptist Church? Is there someone that you are harboring bitterness toward? You're harboring uh, uh, anger or hatred or hurt? And God's going to point that out and say, this is the person you need to talk to. If God points that out to you, please confess to God your sin and ask God for the wisdom and the grace and the help that you need, the humility you need to go to your fellow brother or sister and be reconciled to that person. I'm going to ask Christy to come and she's going to play uh, a verse of our song, After I pray. And then I'm going to ask Scotty to come and lead us in that song. Father, we come to you this morning, this afternoon now, and um, I'm burdened because we know we're under attack. We know we have an adversary. We're not ignorant of his wiles. We're not ignorant of his devices. And we know that he seeks to drive wedges between church members. He he seeks to drive wedges between spouses. And he seeks to drive wedges between Uh, literal brothers and sisters, and between parents and children, and between uh, children and their parents. And I'm asking that during our time of invitation, that you'd bring to my mind and to bring to our minds any offense that so far has gone unreconciled, so that we can make that right with our brother or sister, that you'd give us humility and wisdom and kindness and an understanding heart and a sincere love for our uh, brother or sister that will enable us to go to them and and have the conversation. If someone comes to me, if someone comes to us with an offense, give us that humility to hear them and that wisdom and understanding to, 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 to sympathize with them and then to know how to respond. Father, we pray that you would repair the ruptures in our relationship and our fellowship here at Elmira Baptist Church and give us greater unity today than we had yesterday. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.